Good morning, everyone. Let's stand up and give everyone a love hug. Just one quick love hug, just a surge of affection blowing out of your heart. Say hey to everybody. Yeah, man. Nothing like getting loved up. And while we're doing that, I need to look at you, Chris. Are we streaming? It's happening. You're working on it. We need to get her going, and we're recording, correct? Beautiful. Should we stop this and start again or whatever? I don't care. All right, you've been receiving this handout. It's really important that you look at it. Rock, Reclaiming of Christ's Kingdom in Laramie and the Nations. I mean, everybody got that? We've got some extra copies up front. And then we're also passing around a little strategy diagram of Rock Laramie, what, we're, what we've been asked, invited by the Lord to be. So that's in front of you. So we are very excited about today and the ability to communicate with you what we've been invited to be from heaven. Who we are before heaven, what we're called to be and what we're called to do. And we're going to frame today in a way that will inspire our 21-day Daniel fast starting January 8th. So what we're doing is we're setting the stage for why we need to pray and fast to unleash the grace of God into our city and into our lives and into the region. How many of that, that does that make sense to you? It, it helps to know why you're praying. And why, especially it helps to know why you're fasting. I mean, that's even more important. <laughs> okay. Now, the 21-day Daniel fast that we do every year is really made up of vegetables, uh, fruits, um, what else, whole grains, nuts, things like that. It eliminates meat, poultry, uh, yes, and caffeine and alcohol. That's the tough one usually for most of us. Somebody says, well, they're beans. What's the problem? They're beans. It's like, well, okay. There's, it's not law. It's not legalistic. We, you know, we don't think you're loved by God more uh, or you know, better as a believer if you do fast. But fasting awakens our human spirit. It, it, it has a way of subjugating our bodily appetites to accentuate our spirit man or woman. And, it, and it, it is a vehicle, it's a means of grace to access um, what Jesus is up to. So we just begin every year fasting. Josh is going to share a little bit later some more in-depth about the role of prayer in the kingdom of God. And it's going to follow up what we're doing. So I want to just pray very quickly, and we'll jump in, and I want to move through this fairly efficiently. So here we go. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we are so grateful for the, the work that you've done on the cross, the, the outpouring of your grace, the vision that you've surrounded us with, the connection we have relationally with one another, the context of Laramie and the region and the nations. And we just thank you, Lord, for this incredible um, opportunity to bring your kingdom on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. 
All right, so I'd like for you to just, if you got your Bibles, which hopefully you do, to turn to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10. Uh, actually, I'll start with verse 9, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9, and it says this, um, God made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure. Now, a, a mystery is something that He's unwrapping, He's unveiling, and it says, God purposed this mystery in Christ, and it will be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment. Now, listen, we're in an amazing prophetic time in, in history. Uh, just only a generation ago, you know, Israel was reestablished as a nation. And now Jerusalem has been a, is officially decreed as the you know, capital of Israel. I mean, this, we're in the times of fulfillment. We're in a prophetic era or season in the kingdom. So... What is the agenda of heaven? What is the mystery that God is unwrapping to us? Here's what it is. He's going to bring all things, all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Jesus Christ. God is capturing the hearts of the human race and he's drawing the people underneath the lordship of Jesus Christ. And he's bringing his kingdom onto the earth in an ever-increasing way. So the kingdom is here, and it's not fully evidenced, but we're in an, e an era where the kingdom is now and not yet, but it's an ever-expanding reality in the earth. So we are on a collision course with a new heaven and a new earth, and one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. You see, every every uh, location that is locked down by demonic strongholds and principalities will be eradicated in due time and we'll have a new heaven and a new earth and in due time you'll be given a new body exactly like Jesus Christ his resurrected body when he came out of the grave you'll be given a new body it can eat it can sleep it can walk on water and you can traverse between uh, the heavens and the earth in your new resurrected body. So God isn't going to wipe out the planet. He's going to unleash a healing influence of the Spirit of God and we will have a new earth and a new heaven and we are on that trajectory today. So God in his sovereignty looks down upon certain places and goes, in due time this place will be totally kingdomized. So it's done in the heavenlies. It's already been purchased. What God is up to in Laramie is God sees it as done. But now what he gets us, what he does is that he, he um, uh, recruits his sons and daughters and puts them in families, because that's how God builds. He's a father and a son. He builds his kingdom in families. And then he says, hey, we're starting the family business called Almighty and Daughters, Almighty and Sons, the kingdom of God on earth. I want you to bring my kingdom on earth in the geographic will that I placed you in. So he's called you and I to this region. To Laramie, and he says, I want you to bring my kingdom to bear, and I want you to draw all things under Jesus Christ. Now, that's a voluntary yielding to his lordship. We don't manipulate, we don't coerce, we win people with kindness and mercy and love and wisdom and affection and power. So, God plans on, on lovingly and through his mercy 
capturing the hearts of the population of Laramie. How many of you think that's a cool thought? And I'm telling you, all the university students that find their way into this, into this beautiful town are going to be apprehended by the love of God. I mean, they're going to be captured by his affection and love. And they will feel the, they will understand the intellectual high ground of intelligent design and the reality of Jesus. And God will displace humanistic worldviews with the kingdom of God. God is going to infiltrate the marketplace in Laramie. And people are going to run businesses that feel and, and act just like Jesus. God's going to do the same thing with the arts and with media. And with education. And with marriage and family. And social services and civil services. He is jealous to see his influence come to bear on every part of life. So all things are being drawn under Christ. Which is why our number one prayer is... Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Now this isn't something that's going to happen when in his second coming. This is something happening now. Now. We can have a kingdom marriage now. I happen to have one. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. We can have a kingdom business. We happen to own one now. You see, we can even have a kingdom church. Wow, go figure. So listen, this is very exciting because when you touch the kingdom of God, you touch peace, righteousness, and joy in the Holy Spirit. See, you were made for heaven. You were made to live from heaven to earth. You are not a normal human if Jesus Christ dwells in your heart and you're a new creation, son or daughter. You are now a new species. You are, you are, you are from heaven, your home and your point of reference is heaven and you bring heaven to earth through the portal of your spirit and your life. So that's the good news. And if you haven't had a transformative, born again experience in Jesus, you need to have one. You need to have a God encounter of such magnitude that you are not the same person. You, are a new, you have a new, a new character. Your old nature of desiring and loving sin gets eradicated and a new nature gets put in you and you're now born again of the spirit and you have a new family if that doesn't happen to you beloved man this is a day to invite Christ to come into your life and get on the page of what's going on in heaven you want to have an encounter that leaves you differently I mean night and day different so we have heard from heaven very clearly about what we're to be a part of. And I want to review that with you because it will help inform the next, you know, 12 months or two years or actually the rest of our life. So what's our mission? It's to bring all things under Christ, advancing Christ's kingdom in every sphere of life. Why? By making disciples, that's followers, and raising up leaders. We're really big into discipleship and leadership development. And that is done in the context of an international family of churches. We call it the Rock Tribe. Or, I love this, an international family of affection. And this is made up of the primary building block in the Word of God that we call missional kingdom families. Small little micro churches or house churches interconnected. And they're all made up of DNA groups of two and three people helping each other grow. So, what are we after? Revival meaning a white hot love for Jesus and its manifested presence in our midst. We're after the restoring of the church back into family where it's a way of life, not a meeting we go to. 
The restoring of church, in other words, Christianity is, is authentic Christianity, is the way I relate 24-7. I am the church. You are the church if you're in Christ. So we don't want to default to the Christian religion. We want to move in relationships that are organic and real and awesome. The world looks in and goes, wow, I want that kind of love. Okay, that's the restoring of the church. And then the transforming of culture means we have got the, 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 the insight, the love, the wisdom and revelation and the power to help um, equip the marketplace, for example, in how to have a kingdom business. So that's what we're called to do. That's our assignment. We are not just a local neighborhood church. We've been called to be an equipping center, a revival hub. To that where anybody can wander here into this place, into our midst, and encounter Jesus in a meaningful way, in a powerful way. God's real. Oh, my gosh. Life as I know it will never be the same. That kind of thing. All right, so what's our vision? It's to become a catalytic. I love that word, catalytic. And those of you who are scientists and you've studied the word catalyst, you know what that means on a chemical level. A catalyst is, is an agent that changes everything when it gets involved in, uh, you know, in, when it gets involved, it changes everything. So we want to be a catalytic church family, which creates a revival hub, a kingdom equipping center, so that people can have life-changing encounters with God, be trained and equipped to follow Christ, advance His kingdom, bring heaven to earth in Laramie, and send out microchurch planting missionaries around the world. Blam, drop the mic. I got more to say, so I can't do that, but I'd like to right now. Now, we, we have t learned there's seven mountains of cultural influence, okay? And these are marriage and family, religion, which is a general term, and we want to influence the Buddhists in this town, the, the Muslims in this town, the Christians in this town. We want to pray for every person that's... Uh, wired in faith, and we want to help move them under Christ. The marketplace, education, media, arts, and social, social, uh, social and civil services. You know, the political leaders. All right, now, what do we want to do? We want to incarnate Christ, meaning when people meet us, they feel like they've met Jesus, because we're so loving and kind. Two, we want to infiltrate these settings and then we want to impact and, and influence them because we're incarnating his love in the middle of daily life. That's how you change a city, one person at a time. But the vision has to be holistic. We can't just say we want to be a group of people that are interested in prayer and Bible studies and not interested in the quality of marriages and families in our community. That would be awful. We want to be profoundly interested in the emotional and mental health of the people of Laramie. We want to be deeply concerned about addiction and, and, uh, and emotional and mental disorders and relational breakdowns and disunity. We want to be profoundly involved in solving real problems with kingdom solutions because that's what believers in the kingdom do. Okay, so... We've received some key prophetic words and, uh, over the years, um, and they have been absolutely profound. And I've just captured just a couple of them, really, not really 
most of them, but just a couple of them that have been more recent in our life. One of them came like this. We need to transition from being a house with prayer to being a house of prayer. Meaning it's prayer becomes a way of life. We pray like breathing. Okay, and so we recognized that we, we had prayer meetings and we had prayer, but we hadn't gone all the way over into um, understanding that prayer needs to be integrated in our, all of our lives more intentionally. So we call this the, we, we, we up, we're upgrading right now. We call it the Father's House of Prayer. And it's a combination of prayer gatherings in our prayer room upstairs, and it's the combination of two and three people praying in other parts of the country. But by and large, what we're going after is where every hour is filled in with two or three people praying intentionally for the kingdom to come around the world. We have a location in Myanmar, in Italy, Kansas City, and Kirkland, Washington, and El Paso, and northern Colorado. We have... We have a, a tribe, our family of families all around the world, and we want to organize a, a night and day culture of prayer. So that's in response to a prophetic upgrade, an invitation from the Lord. And we said yes to that, and now we're moving in it. And before we even really got, I mean, this was always in our diagram. This was always in our purpose, even when we early started 10 years ago, this church. But little did we know that on the horizon was Orion Gokin. You know what I mean? That, that God would put in his heart and train him to be an agent of presence and an agent of worship and intercession. And so Jehovah Sneaky tricked him into moving to Laramie. And then we get this beautiful family, the Gokins, we get this beautiful family that, are, that are, have already been on the on-ramp in their life training to help upgrade our prayer. How many of you think that's cool? That's just an example of how God himself is orchestrating this vision. That we don't have to go out and pull it off ourselves. God is doing this because God said it, God will do it. Our confidence is in the Lord, right? Not just man, it's in, in the Lord. So if you look, this is a little picture, a diagram of what we've been called to be. And you can find this on the website, I think it's on our website, Rock Laramie website, but I wanted you to see it. So at the hub or at the center is the engine of our life together, which is the Father's house of prayer. And then inter interconnected, notice they're all touching each other because there's an organic flow between these things. This isn't just a pie chart. This isn't just some organizational, you know, this is organic and life-giving. But it's a picture. So microchurches are the way we break into small spiritual families on mission and do inner healing and do DNA groups. And it's a very, very critical building block in our tribe because we think that's biblical. Jesus had 12, and the early church met from house to house. So we think it's really a big deal to get together heart to heart and life on life. You know, under a tree, in a coffee shop, in a living room, in a business, it doesn't matter because it's all about loving each other, not just having a meeting. Okay, the third one is, you know, equipping and training. And uh, we actually have an, uh, an accredited college and, uh, that we've launched called All Nations College, and this is our remote site for a college right here, this place we call the Big House. 
as well as other trainings. We want to get involved in the marketplace more deliberately. That's why we kept this room looking fairly neutral so that we could have you know, all, you know, business people in town come and do equipping experiences with the business community or with the media or with the arts. Cast vision, do training, create relationships, and build a bridge of influence to these, these spheres of, of, uh, of cultural uh, foundations. All right? So finally, we are very much into international missions, cross-cultural missions. And we want to be more strategic in reaching the international community that lives here in Laramie while going to school. I mean, if you want to have a cross-cultural experience, go shop at Walmart, especially after 10 at night. It's very amazing. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? All right, so we have been blessed in this town. I mean, extraordinarily blessed. By the way, you're involved in that also, Ryan. I mean, good Lord, your hand is in everything. I just can't believe how amazing it is to be with you. Okay, so we transitioning. We're, tra we're, we're becoming a Father's House of Prayer. And two, we heard the Lord say, unify the tribe. Rally the tribe. Gather the tribe. Now, what that means is this. There are other locations in our family that need ongoing support and equipping. And some of them are really struggling. And they're in tough places. We have a church plant that was our very first one in the inner city of Kansas City in a very, very difficult place to live. I mean, I'm st I was there last week for a week, and almost every night, boom, 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 gunshots are going off outside my window. That'll, you know, shake you up a tad. And but but our, our, my, my grandchildren live there in that house. My family is there. We have Your brothers and sisters are living in the hood contending for Jesus to come in a tough spot. You think they can do this without us? No. So we had a family come through here, and we spent a week just rolling out the red carpet and doing inner healing and deliverance because they needed the support of our family here. So rally the tribe. There are several things that we're going to do as a people that are going to be even more intentionally supportive of the other locations here in Laramie. Because Laramie has been identified by the Lord as basically being, at this point, the hub of the Rock Tribe, of a church planning movement. We've, we've been given that privilege of serving the body of Christ at large as well as the, the, the Rock Tribe. Our family of churches. We said, we knew last year prophetically it was going to be a surge year. In other words, dramatic things were going to happen and in, in, a, in a way that was kind of accelerated. And that has happened here. Last year was an amazing year for us. And I, I would love for us to sometimes just sit around and just take time to thank God for the literally dozens of staggering things that happened last year like the upgrading of FHOP, like the finishing of this building here. You get my point? Like, like the tribal gathering with Graham Cook was unbelievable. There were things, the starting of All Nations College, really last year, in the first class last year. So we had what we would call a surge year last year, and um, I'm, I'm kind of amazed by what God's done. All right, so I want to just now lay out what, what I believe are words from the Lord that are going to shape 
next year and the years to come. Because all of this, we're building on everything. We're going to keep growing in FPOP. We're not leaving it behind. We're actually going to keep growing in it. We're, le we're not leaving any of this behind. We're going to add some more things and keep moving forward. And these are all things that you want to be aware of when you come to this prayer room. That this is what we're about and why, we're, why we believe it's important to pray. And you'll hear more from Josh in just a minute. All right, so in 2008, we believe it will be a year of adding spiritual army to spiritual family. Now, we spent, honestly, the last 10 years cultivating um, gospel identity in each one of the members of our family. By that, I mean where the Spirit of God tells everyone's spirit they're sons of God, daughters of God, a new species. Because you're right, everything you do behaviorally flows from your identity. If your identity is confused, you're going to default to a lesser identity and then find yourself acting beneath yourself. You get my point? You're only going to act in the highest kinds of ways, behave in the highest kinds of ways, and relate to people in the highest kinds of ways only if you know who you really are in Jesus. You also know that it's been very challenging for us to tra train orphaned people into sonship, go through inner healing, and then connect people at a heart level to family. That is not easy. Because most of us are easily offended, easily frustrated, deep, easily hurt. We don't have the relational skills to hang on and make it under pressure. So we've spent 10 years teaching people how to connect with Jesus, how to connect with each other with new identities, learn DNAs, learn inner healing, learn MKFs, and it has been tough and awesome. And when people like Graham Cook and other leaders look in on us, they're, they're, in, they're in awe, but I, I, we're, they're in awe about God because we chose not to do church in a uh, disconnected way. We chose to do church in a relational, heart-connected way, and it's up close and uncomfortable and very challenging because there's a high dork factor in every person here, including me. And so we have to be able to know people by the Spirit and not isolate them by their weaknesses. So all these tools, how do you have a gospel way of relating to people through their true self and not relate to their false self and let that trip you up? Do you know how hard all that stuff is, guys? With all of us coming to this broken and weirded out and wounded and, and without a lot of equipping from our natural families. So for 10 years, we've been pounding away on what I think are the essentials of the Christian life. And we've made, we've made ground. We've, you know, we've got fruit from, by, thank you, Jesus, from the Lord. All right? You never graduate from sonship. Like, I need to be reminded every single day I'm a son of God and not my fallen self. I never graduate from, uh, I love you, Tim. You know, I, my wife likes to hear that she's loved every single day, all through the day, with my body language, with my words, with my actions. We all need to have hell loved right out of us. Right? So you never graduate from sonship and family. This is, in fact, we got to get better and better and better at it, at inner healing. But we're going to add, by revelation from the Lord, he said, now that you've got this foundation laid, I need to add a more militant, military, soldiering part of, the cult of that side of me to the Rock Tribe. 
And, and Graham Cook was amazing. If you haven't heard his, I think it's his third message, at Tribal, that's where he prophesies to us. He says, this family thing is irreplaceable, it's awesome, it's amazing, but I feel from the Lord, you guys need to be more intentional about moving towards soldiering. And as I met with him alone a lot of times, he said, this is how we do it, this is how we do it, these are specific ways that you can do gift assessment, detect where people are at spiritually, put them in the army in a meaningful way that will bear fruit. I mean, it was really helpful. So we believe that this year we're transitioning into, uh, we're adding army. And there is, a, there is a destiny and a purpose and a call on your life that is staggering. There is more promise over you than you could possibly imagine. You are called to, to influence and impact the world more than you could possibly think or imagine. God has destined you for good works. Okay, amazing agenda from heaven for you. But it won't be good to put um, all this purpose on top of insecurity and orphanness. That's a bad day. An insecure family makes a very lousy army because everybody's getting hurt and blowing each other up. So when you get a healthy, secure family, then you can then start being intentional about how are you going to infiltrate culture and bring a change and a, tra and a transformation. This is where we're at today. Today, I'm decreeing to you, we are now there. Does that, like, excite you? In other words, it's one thing to be this unbelievably affectionate and cozy, lovey-dovey family, and everybody's esteem is getting built up, and everybody's getting inner healing, but it's another one now to add to that. Okay, now, now that we're, now that we're awesome, I'm just kidding, come on, now that we're... Not really, though. Now that we're healthier, we now have a fighting chance to influence the marketplace or the educational arena, the businesses, right? Because it's war. We're talking about war now. We're talking about displacing hell with heaven. There are really, really people, I don't know if, you, if your worldview is biblical or not, because I don't know everyone in this room, but if you have a biblical worldview, you understand there's demons, and principalities and powers, that the unseen realm is actually controlling the seen realm. And demonic influences can control whole populations, their worldview, their mindsets, and seduce them into evil. We see that in places where racism is normative. We see that in, in Germany, Nazi Germany, with this evil, wicked worldview, uh, you know, which was doctrines of demons infiltrated a people and gave them a false sense of racial superiority. And became the Nazi party and killed Jews by the millions. So demons do that. Demons have influenced this city. And why do we pray? We pray thy kingdom come to displace the demonic influences that have aligned themselves in places in our city and causing great damage to our population. There is a lot of problems in this town, as pretty as it is. Right? This is not... Perfect. I mean, we call it Laradice, but that's prophesying the future. Yeah, that's a decree and a decree. <laughs> all right, so, all right. All right, so we have been called to go to war. And it will be a year of accelerating and equipping and training sons and daughters into soldiers. 
Rock Laramie has been invited by God to, one, reach Laramie with the gospel. Two, serve and influence the other locations in the Rock Tribe, like Kansas City and El Paso and North Colorado and Kirkland. Three, it's to equip the body of Christ and other ministries. We are to incarnate Christ, infiltrate, and impact the city of Laramie and the nations. Key areas of training. This is what we're going to emphasize this year. In order to be effectual in our calling, we're going to work on these and we're going to work on them hard by the grace of God. Thing number one. We're going to try to help everyone learn how to have face time with Jesus at the beginning of the day and throughout the day. Now the Life Model folks call this an Emmanuel lifestyle. And it's good because it's named after my, you know, dearest friend Mono, Emmanuel. We want Mono's life. No, we want the Emmanuel lifestyle. It's God with us. So we want to equip people to flow and be led by the Holy Spirit all day, throughout the day, to stay in an intimate and unbroken communion with Jesus. How many of you think that would be awesome? Yeah, man, it's possible. And we're going to work on that so that that's a gospel way of communion. Because if you think God's mad with you and doesn't like you, uh, then you're going to avoid the person that you don't think likes you. But if you know God loves you and he likes you and he's already paid the price for you to be in oneness with him and you can come straight before his throne, then you will be more apt to want to hang out with somebody who loves you and likes you. So that's, that's the gospel. All right. So we're going to teach people the manual lifestyle. Secondly, we want to teach us, this is a big one, we want to increase our relational brain skills and levels of maturity and inner healing with help from the life model and uh, uh, how can I say this, training materials called rare leadership. Uh, there's a website you can look up. Now, wh what am I saying here? <laughs> i, I got to just give you a brief, quick introduction to what I'm saying, but we don't have much time. So how, where are we at now, Josh? Okay. All right. Um, the life model is this. It's a collection of neuroscientists, neurotheologians, psychiatrists, psychologists, Experts in human resource and development, experts in discipleship, lifestyle transformation. These people have come together and they formed a, a collegiality around a brain, uh, the brain science and what the brain is capable of. And what we've discovered is that you were built in the image of God. So God built you for love because God is love. And there's a part of your brain set apart to help you love well. Is that crazy? Like your brain, different parts of your brain do different things. Now your brain and our bodies are very spiritual. And love is a relational word, is it not? So what they've discovered is people can have a very low emotional IQ. Or very low relational skills or relational IQ. So they might have high talents and be very intelligent, but low relational capacities. And they, all, they end up blowing relationships up because they don't have the skill sets to, to, to build strong alliances with people. So it was discovered by a man named Jim Wilder, who had a Ph.D. from my alma mater. We were there at the same time. We didn't know each other. He was in the School of Psychology 
I was in the School of Theology. I took some psych courses, though. And he learned classic therapy, and, his, and he was a son of a missionary from Brazil, or from uh, South America, excuse me. And his goal was to um, be competent in helping the worst-case scenarios in psychological disorders, like schizophrenics, um, narcissistic personality disorders, high drug-addicted people. Um, so he said, I want to go to the worst of the worst cases, the people that are most troubled, and I want to I have success in helping them get free and be healed. Well, he applied to classic models of therapy, which are, you know, you stay disassociated and disconnected as a professional. And he, and he, and he went through the, process, the uh, therapeutic processes, and they weren't working. And then he checked in with the other, uh, the other psychiatrists and psychologists and found out it wasn't working for them either. These therapeutic models weren't working. So it was a crisis for him. He had to go back to the drawing board. And he, he prayed, he fasted, he asked the Lord, Lord, give me breakthrough as to what produces transformation in people. Guess what he discovered? He discovered that all, all psychological maladies and all psychological wounding comes from two things. One, trauma. Trauma A and trauma B. Trauma A is omission, things that you should have gotten but didn't, or trauma B, commission. And two, a lack of supportive, unconditionally loving family that could train your brain on how to operate relationally. So people are walking around the planet traumatized. Everyone is traumatized at some level. And without the benefit of relationships, because it takes relationships to make relational skills. So what he said is, they discovered that the people that are most problemed, that if they would sink their life into a tribe, my word, but they would call it an extended family, if they would bond and belong to a group of people that they knew, love them unconditionally, that over time, the atmosphere of that unconditional affection would actually awaken places in their brain that were shut down. That you actually cannot grow outside of intimacy with others. Because what they've discovered is your relational brain skills, it's the front right cortex of your brain, that place only learns at the speed of impartation, not information. So the left part of your brain is built to be a manager. It controls data, it's your engineering, it's your business side, it's your math side, it's your chemistry side, it's your logical, rational. You can grow that left side at the speed of information. But when it comes to growing relationally, it's absorbed experientially and atmospherically by impartation because it's too, it's too fast of a processor to grow from information. It has to grow from encounter. So every, per, every family has a culture. And if you bond, if you really genuinely bond with your people and you know you belong to them, you have to kind of die to yourself. But when you die to yourself, then you open the door to let that group inform you as to what it's like to love well. And they said that every child longs for this and needs this to mature. They need to be the sparkle in someone else's eye. They need to be affectioned unconditionally um, in a very authentic way, not a contrived way. So what they've discovered is there's five stages of development in maturity. 
and there are 19 relational brain skills that you can develop in community if you're well established in that family and they know what they're doing, they will begin to move you forward in your soft skills or your relational life skills and you will then you'll come out of trauma and into these relational competencies so that you can love other people well and it will create a geometric explosion of love in Laramie. So what we're going to work on are these 19 brain skills, are how to love well, and there are a bunch of key things that we can practice. You, can, you only get these by practicing and playing and interacting. You can't get this just by information. I can introduce the topic to you informationally, but you won't get it unless it's by osmosis. So that's why a culture of joy and affection is so contagious. It's what we emit off our spirit. Now here's the key thing. What they've discovered is the quality of your joy and pleasure is directly related to the quality of your relationships. Because your joy center is built in the right frontal cortex and it's only stimulated intimacy, proper intimacy. So sin is really counterfeit intimacy. And le legitimate intimacy in the kingdom triggers joy. It triggers happiness. That's why we hate to be alone. It's, it's devastating. And so then we compensate for our intimacy needs inappropriately. So when we talk about influencing the city, think of the implications of this. First of all, just for you. You understand that your basic happiness boils down to how close you are with Jesus and how close you are with people. And if you're going to dance around and live a superficial relational life, you aren't going to make progress developmentally. You're going to stall out in your development. Okay, got that? So this is like a matter of life and death. So when God says, I'm going to build tribes and families, he was basically saying the only way to save the human race is by putting spiritual families in play to fix the problems that broke them, the things that broke them in their early life. It's not a little matter what we're talking about. So for you, this has implications. For the city, it has implications because now we have the scientific technology and language to discuss meaningfully how a business culture can be upgraded. In other words, we have, we have a way of gospeling people, intelligent people in Laramie, and giving them tools to improve their lives. And it's coming from Jesus. They may not know it right away, but it's coming from Jesus. So that's why we can hold conferences and training events to work with businesses to upgrade their culture. What they're saying is most businesses are run by the, um, by, uh, it's a fear, it's the predatory part of the brain, fight, flight, and fight, and the fear base, whereas people work better when they're in an atmosphere of joy and love. It, they can become more creative. It, there's a lot to this. So we are going to take the first part of this year, here's what we're going to do. The first three months of this year, through our Daniel fast, we are going to work hard on helping everyone understand the gospel of grace with excellence so that you can become gospel fluent and communicate Jesus and the gospel to whoever you're in front of in a very simple, understandable way. So we want you to know the gospel well, for you to communicate the gospel of grace well, and for you to be the gospel in what you emit. Then we want to train everybody to be on gospel mission 
as a way of life. In other words, you don't have to beat people with tracts and Bibles and be obnoxious, but how can you be aware and cognizant of the influence you're bringing to bear on people? How can you be intentional and deliberate with the gospel? In other words, you're a missionary. You've always been a missionary. You may not know it, but you are. And so how do you operate missionally in a way that is effective? And that's what we're going to work on the first three months of next year. Then we're going to move into these relational skills. Because the gospel is vertical and horizontal. So understand now, what we're going to be dealing with is revolutionary and life-changing. And we now have favor with many of these people, a number of these people that have innovated this, including Jim Wilder. They're looking strong at our church planning movement because... Um, they are looking for guinea pigs. And I volunteered. Us. For you, on your behalf. Yeah. All right, so we're going to work at expanding FHOP. We're going to work on the understanding and applying the gospel. I already mentioned that. We're going to um, work on proactively impacting the seven mountains of influence in Laramie. And we're going to host and train Mountain Gateway Ministries in April. An entire missions organization is showing up here in Laramie. This is Britt and Audrey Hancock who started it. Missionaries in Central and South America. They're coming here. They're bringing all their missionaries off the field. We're hosting them for nearly two, two weeks. And we are going to be equipping them in microchurch planting and all the things that you see on this page. Inner healing. That's going to happen in April. April 3rd through the 13th. Do you all understand what a great honor that is, that we get the privilege of influencing the very culture and strategies of a whole missions movement? Out of Laramie. Yeah. So, um, we want to see, we're going to kick in another facet of All Nations College, which is our Wilderness Ministry Leadership Training and that is one of the major degrees in All Nations College in partnership with SRAM. And we're wanting to launch that this year. And give classes that are accredited with a bachelor's degree so that we, we train for over the next 30 years some of the top wilderness ministry leaders in the world out of Laramie. How's that for cool? And then we can sync it with cross-cultural missions and church planting because we want to plant churches in remote wilderness areas. And if you know how to go to the bathroom in the woods, that's helpful when you're going to Nepal. All right. I like saying that. I don't know why. Stanley the steamer just jumped into my brain. <laughs> Stanley, Stanley just jumped right into my, my conscious mind. And all of you Schrammers know exactly what I just said. We want to see MKFs multiplied multiplied in Laramie. I would pray, Lord, for, for a doubling of our MKFs. And um, finally, we are launching a ministry to serve the whole body of Christ called Jesus Tribes, where we can hopefully live stream equipping on how to do MKFs in every city in the world, how to do these brain skills, how to do inner healing. And we want to help, uh, we want to help change the understanding and expression of Christianity in this generation. We want to move Christianity from the Christian religion, which is ineffectual and even harmful, and into kingdom reality that can actually change the earth. 
Okay, that's what Jesus Tribes is all about. I can tell you more later, but not now. Um, so I know this is a lot, but this is framing who we are and who you are as a people. You wouldn't be here if you didn't have a significant need to hear this information and maybe even be a part of this. So one way or another, if not, just absorb some of it. So now, this is all up in heaven, in the warehouse of heaven, what we just described, all of this, this supernatural impact on our city. It's all there. God already died for it. What do we do? We go before the throne of grace in prayer, and we simply ask God to do it. So that's my segue into Yeshua Horak. Come up here, Yeshua. Everybody say, hey, Josh. Hey, Josh. Yes. Wow, it's pretty rad, huh? <laughs> right? Um, hey, when did we start um, this equipping? 10.30, was it? We've been going 45 minutes? Two hours more, okay? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm playing, I'm playing. I'm going to keep this short. I'm going to keep it sweet. Um, I'm just joshing you. Um, all right, all right, all right. You want to hear my new favorite joke? All right, all right. I love it when my five-year-old daughter tells this joke now. It's awesome. She goes, okay, why was the toilet paper unable to cross the road? Some of you are laughing. Don't give it away. Because he got stuck in a crack. <laughs> and... Why couldn't his buddy come and rescue him? Because he was all wiped out. <laughs> that is why we have to pray. Because <laughs> people are stuck and they're wiped out. <laughs> and they're unable to step into the destiny of God that's on their life. <laughs> right? It's really true. Life is like a piece of toilet paper. <laughs> Sometimes it's just messy. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, okay, that is not in my notes. <laughs> let's let's just go home. Um, all right. So, uh, how many could feel the excitement in your heart at, at just being reminded of the vision that Papa T is casting? Yeah, raise your hand. Yeah, it's it's awesome. It's like, oh my gosh, I get to be a part of what Jesus is doing on this earth today. And that's one of the most amazing things as the body of Christ is we get to ask the question, God, what are you doing on this earth, and how can I insert my life on it and join with what you're doing, your story, your glory? And it, it, there's an excitement that I, I, I hope you're all feeling here because this, this vision rests on every person. Now, the thing is about the vision, it, it's literally impossible, right? And so I'm going to just take 10 minutes. And I'm going to link how prayer and fasting literally takes the impossible and makes it possible. Okay? Um, and just, just so you guys know, this is, this is kind of cool. One of our MKFs today is actually going to Sunny Meadows. Um, uh, it's called Sunny Meadows? The Sunny Meadows Trailer Park area. We're going to go. We're going to prayer walk. We're going to just ask for words of knowledge on different houses. We're going to compare notes tonight at the bowling alley, and then the next week, we're going to see what the common theme is in the notes, 
and then we're going to go and bless those people in this Christmas season. So this is already happening in really, really cool ways. But we need a move of God today in our MKF to pull this off, right, Coulter? You know, some people have already prayer walked and whatnot. But, okay, so let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to be very, very quick here. Here's the disciples. They're watching the life of Jesus. The life of Jesus that he lived, you now get to live on this earth. They're watching his life, and they ask him, Jesus, Jesus, listen, we see the life you live, okay? And they ask him a very important question. Would you teach us to pray? Okay? Now, this is Sermon on the Mount, but I'm giving you a little uh, conversation the disciples had with Jesus. They saw his life. They saw the impossible becoming possible. And then they're like, okay, we see the impossible becoming possible. Then they go to Jesus and they ask him a question. Okay, Lord, we want you to teach us to pray. How come they didn't ask, well, why don't you teach us how to cast out demons? Like, what's steps A, B, and C? Or why don't you teach us how to heal the blind? Okay, step one, what's that? What, what's this step? No, no, no. They didn't ask that. They asked, Lord, teach us to pray. Why? Because they linked his prayer life with the fruit of his life. Okay? This is why the bigger the vision, the more we have to move into how Jesus showed us to pull off the impossible. Okay? So, Matthew chapter 6. So, Jesus is giving the constitution of the kingdom. He's giving the Sermon on the Mount here. And uh, do I love the Bible app? No. I do not want to give a review. <laughs> um, no thanks. <laughs> All right. So let's open to Matthew chapter 6. Okay. <laughs> Jesus is teaching on prayer. And I, let's just jump down to verse 9. He says this. This, then, is how you should pray. Father in heaven. So immediately, there's this place. It, remember, these aren't words. This is a way of life. There's this place where you come into the Father as a son of God, as a child of God, all right? You know him as your daddy God. When my children come to me, they, do they come to beg? No, not at all. What do they do? They come say, hey, God, hey, dad, I know what we need right now, and they ask, and what do I do? I give it to them. There's a big difference. Okay, Father in heaven, holy is your name. Okay, so there's this place where you're lost in the beauties of the goodness and holiness of God. Okay? Then he says this, your kingdom come. Everybody says, your kingdom come and your will be done. Okay. Jesus is teaching, saying, hey, listen. The kingdom of God, you learn to pray kingdom come. But if you're going to see my kingdom come, you have to first learn will be done. And when it comes to the will of God being done, it's not just a declaration we give in our words through prayer, but it's actually a lifestyle we begin to embrace. If you're going to see the will of God come forth in circumstances, situations, people, places, you first have to allow his will to begin to shape and mold your life. Okay? So, this will all make sense. So here's Jesus. He's teaching the disciples how to pray. He's teaching them how to bring the kingdom by embracing the will of his father. 
okay? So he teaches them this moment, and then he says, now, this is how you learn to receive from my father. So he goes in, he's teaching them how to pray, and then what I, what's the next thing he starts teaching them? Fasting. Okay? Is this making sense? So the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray, and he did. He's, he, he taught them how to pray, but then he said, okay, you're going to want to see the kingdom of God. You have to pray and fast. Okay, so let's just read this real fast. Here's what he says. When you fast, verse 16, when you fast, all right, stop there. So it's no longer if you fast, it's when you fast, right? This isn't a, a conditional statement. Jesus is saying, listen, if you want to receive more in the life of spirit, this is a discipline and a life you're going to embrace, okay? So he's saying, when you fast, do these things, and let, let's just for sake of time, he says, okay, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. In other words, they're just going to be hungry. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Okay, so he, he's, he's talking about doing it with the right spirit. It's not necessarily always hiddenness, because when you're in a corporate fast, everybody's fasting, right? So it's like, you can't hide that. You, ju you enjoy it with one another as much as you can. But here's, what's, here's what Jesus is saying. Okay, when you fast with the right spirit, there is guaranteed reward. Making sense? Now, what is reward? Wait, I thought we can't earn God's love. I thought we can't earn his grace. You're absolutely right. But what Tim Papati was describing here is, is literally impossible. And so he puts us in these situations, in these places, where the vision all of a sudden requires an increase in the will of God in our lives and how we increase his will in our lives is we come before him in prayer with fasting. And what we do is we start opening up our spirit to receive more of what has already been won, increasing our capacity to hear him, increasing our capacity to obey him, and increasing our ability to walk with him. Does that make sense? So the reward isn't something that's earned, it's something that's received, and it's more of him. We don't need any more strategy. We've got plenty of strategy, right? What we need is more of him in the strategy. And that comes through people who, who embrace this impossible mission and go after it in prayer with fasting. Every single breakthrough in my life, I can look back now and I can link that breakthrough to a season of prayer with fasting. Every single breakthrough, and I kid you not, every single breakthrough. I remember in my high school days, I um, uh, was very involved with the, the call movement in Lou Engle, and there was just a desire to fast and to pray. And in, in my high school days, we just, as young people, we just picked one day a week to fast and pray. And at the time, I just thought it was normal. But now I look back on my life, and I noticed, I, I, I remember, I noticed a passion that was always there. It was like this deep, deep desire and passion 
to know Jesus, to love Jesus. It was, a, it was this radical passion. It was so much passion, it made my parents uncomfortable, you know? It's like, what? Is he okay? Like, and, but what was cool is that in the heart for the Lord, there was a distaste for the world, and I really didn't want anything to do with the world. What was going on there? I didn't realize it, but now that I look back in time, that lifestyle of prayer and fasting was increasing my capacity to receive, and it made me more and more hungry for him. And as a result, I was able to say no to less things and yes to the greatest things. And that's what fasting does. Fasting, in reality, it doesn't speed God up. It speeds you up. It doesn't change God's mind about you. It changes your mind about him. But it takes some time and some effort to be like, okay, Lord, I want more of you, so I'm going to start moving forward in prayer and fasting. And as he does it, he will reward you with more of him. Um, many of you guys, everybody here knows this story now because we received a lot of direction. But one of the most recent breakthroughs I had in the spirit is um, we all know the story of the feathers. It's, it's been happening just recently. Um, <laughs> I'm in my basement trying to refinish my basement, okay? I am not good at construction. I'm terrible. <laughs> like, it's, it's not my uh, uh, strength. And so I'm, I'm trying to refinish my basement. And um, I'm, uh, in the, it's, it's kind of cool because you get some time to just worship and pray and, you know, drill in some drywall. And, uh, I'm, and my heart was for uh, Tim and Janet and Jason and Sarah and Hope. And I just, I just felt led to be praying in the spirit over them. So I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. And as I'm trying to pray and I'm, I'm pushing in the drywall screw, all of a sudden, I pushed too hard, boom, right through the wall. And I'm like, ah, oh, darn it. I just put a hole right through the two layers of, of the drywall. And so, so anyways, I, I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm legitimately frustrated. And I'm like, ah, oh, walk away. I'm like, man, this isn't going so hot. And uh, my daughter comes down. She wants to show me a picture she drew. I go walk around the corner, and it was just sweet, like, celebrate with her what she did. And it was, it was just a cute moment as a dad and a daughter. And then I come back around the corner, I go into underneath the stairway where I was putting drywall, and my drill is on a bucket, and then all of a sudden there's a feather just sitting right there. I'm like, oh, okay, Lord, I get it. Now, for the, I don't need to go into the story, but for those you know, this has been happening over and over and over again. Well, when we went to Bethel Church, I felt the Lord just ask me, would you fast and pray for three days? And I just took those three days, and I was like, yes, God, I want more of you. I can just feel his presence right now. I want more of you. And, and it wasn't just fast. It was fast and pray. You've got to understand, they both go in hand. If you fast and don't pray, you're dieting. You're going on an ultra-slim fast diet, all right? <laughs> it's ultra, <laughs> all right? <laughs> so, but when you fast and pray, what you're doing is you're waging war on the spirit of the world that is put a ceiling on your life. Okay? And you're, you're, you're saying no more to the ceiling and saying, I God, I gotta have more of you. I gotta have more. I can't live without you. And I'm fasting now because I'm more hungry for you than the things of this world. And what happens when you get in that place? All of a sudden, the realities of heaven start becoming yours. So here I am. This I felt led to call, led call, led to call, called to do 
what's called an ester fest, just no food and water for 72 hours. It's kind of intense. Like, they're terrible. They're terrible. You feel like you're going to die. You just lay there. You're like, I am sinking, you know? And it was the most, <laughs> it, was, it was terrible. It was just, it wasn't fun in the moment. But that's, that's one of the things. When, when you fast, um, I'll just be honest with you, very rarely is it fun in the moment, okay? You feel the effects of it on your body, okay? You, you feel, and that's okay. It is okay if you feel that when you're fasting. And then when you're praying, you're like, oh, my gosh, how am I supposed to pray right now when I feel this way? It's, it, it feels kind of low grade, all right? It's okay. That's normal. So I'm, I'm feeling this, and then I finished the fast, and nothing happened after that, okay? But I knew the Lord w- wanted me to prepare for what was coming. So I went to Bethel Church, and then that was when the breakthrough where all of a sudden this, this you guys know the story, feather fell on me, and then it's just something that keeps happening, keeps happening in the most weird places at the most um, random times. But I'm using that as an example is that breakthrough in the spirit all came through a moment of obedience and prayer and fasting. Is it making sense? Another time, most of you know this story, but Amy, she was struggling with anemia. Okay, the doctors told her, we want to give a blood transfusion, we're going to start blood transfusions. We are at a place where we were desperate for healing in her body. And this was, what, 12 years ago, love? Eight? Eight years ago. We we were at a desperate place. And at the time, we had no money at the time, and we, we felt just like, Lord, what are we going to do? We felt stuck. We felt stuck. And so I felt the Lord say, hey, would you start addressing this in prayer and fasting? So we went on a 21-day fast and just started fasting, prayer, fasting, prayer. And uh, during the whole fast, not much seemed to be happening. But then on day 21, I had a dream where all these people came into our kitchen, and I was in our bedroom. They woke us up, and I came out, and I just started beating them up. And I'm kicking them out, kicking them out, kicking them out. I'm like, get out of here. And I was kind of disturbed by the dream because I'm not a violent person. And... (laughs) And so I kick him out, wah, wah, you know, and I, and they all leave. And we woke up that n- morning, I was kind of like, what is that about? Lord, are you, are you cleaning the house on something? And uh, that day, or maybe the next day, Amy goes to the doctor. They draw her blood, and he's like, listen, I don't know what you did, but your ferritin levels jumped from like a 4 to like a 28. In other words, in the moment of days, the Lord healed her. Here's my point. The breakthrough happened because of a yes to a life of prayer and fasting. There was an impossible circumstance and situation that we were facing. But literally, that impossible circumstance we were facing was an invitation to draw near to the Lord. And as we drew near to Him, over the course of time, we realized He was drawing near to us. His presence manifested and the breakthrough is this making sense? And so, <laughs> talking about prayer and fasting, this is why we have to pray. This is why we have to fast. Okay? Now, we're saying this because um, this is the last time we're going to be meeting as a church family until January 7th. Okay? We wanted to do some framing here because on January 8th, is when we're going to be jumping in to our Daniel fast as a church family. 
as a tribe, and really many, many churches across the body of Christ all over the world pick these dates to fast and pray. So we want to join the body of Christ globally right now. And so January 8th, we're going to be launching this fast. So we want everybody to enjoy the Christmas season. Man, spend time with your family. Spend time with kids. We want everybody to join that. But it's gonna, what's going to happen, it's going to sneak up on us pretty quick because the next time we're here in this room is going to be January 7th. You might be like, wait, wait, January 7th. Yep. So here's the plan. We're going to be sending out emails just to help people understand more about uh, the Daniel fast and, and even, even resources on why fasting. Um, but what we're going to be doing is, well, going back to what Papa Tim gave about some of these words, rallying the tribe. Um, the, the Rock Tribe APES team and the Rock Laramie Elder team felt very, very impressed. We need to really respond to that word to rallying the tribe. So we're doing everything we can to rally this family and rally the tribe together. Okay, and, and we felt like during this fast, if we can really, really rally the tribe, there is going to be a, uh, a, a much needed increase in, in uh, the things of God, the presence of God. There's going to be much needed breakthrough for people and church plants. Okay, so this 21-day fast that's coming up is a critical one. We want people to see how critical this is, and we want people to embrace the plan to be in full unity together. Okay, and and so what we're going to do starting January 7th, instead of meeting in our individual MKFs that night, this is what we've done in the past. We're going to switch it up. We're actually going to have a corporate gathering the morning of January 7th, starting 930 a.m. Okay, and um, El Paso is going to be joining us on Facebook Live. And Kansas City is going to be joining us on Facebook Live. And we're going to um, consecrate the start of this fast together as a tribe. Now, isn't that cool? So this whole family here, um, and I don't know if we'll be able to find a way to see if we can see Kansas City and see El Paso. Who knows? But we're going to consecrate it together as a tribe that day. So what we're going to do is we're literally going to, um, kind of frame things a little bit, because you just got to frame a little bit for 30 minutes, and then we're going to go into a time of worship and prayer. Okay? How many, does that sound awesome? So instead of doing the Friday nights that we've done during the fast, we're actually going to do, we're going to move those Friday nights to Sunday mornings, because that's actually some feedback we've gotten from a lot of people, like, hey, it would be better, actually, it would just be much easier um, to do it like a Sunday morning thing for an hour and a half. So so after the 7th, and each Sunday after that, we're going to meet here at 9.30 to just worship and pray. Is that cool? 9.30 to about 11. Yeah? Is that awesome? All right. Cool. 11.35. How would I do? Stand up. Let's stand up. Yay, God. Yay, God. Yay, God. Yay, God. Um. Let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah, I, I feel I have the, uh, a word of the Lord about the ministry time. Because uh, everything that was shared this morning 
I hope that you have heard it from 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 your heart. It's it, it is it is the word of the Lord, right? For us, and it's uh, it, it talked about vision strategies, and those are all good. They are really really good, but and and prayer and fasting and getting you know in the prophetic the worst mistake that has been uh, made in the prophetic since the prophetic ministry has been restored has been to bring the word of God, the truth of God, devoid of his heart and his emotions. And so it is illegal in the kingdom, it is illegal in the spirit to actually bring the word of God without actually emitting the heart of God. Because otherwise, it is the meanest thing on the earth. I am telling you. I can, <laughs> I can attest to that. I can say bland, no, no atmosphere, no emotion. I can say, eat this. Just completely. Or I can say, eat this. Or I can say, eat this. You understand? Like I said, the, I said the exact same thing. And this happened in past revivals where people under the, the presence of God, there were like a, an amazing anointing for repentance and teaching and preaching. That was just absolutely amazing. It was true. And people came into the kingdom by the millions. And 10 years later, the presence had lifted <laughs> some. And they were still preaching the same thing. And that, that was the most damaging and hurtful and painful thing. So we've been called to actually contain what, what, what uh, Tim was sharing, what Josh shared, is actually we, are, we have been called to be transformed and contain, not imitate. Because you can't imitate and be a parrot and say the right words, and it's the meanest, most disgusting. It's religious, and it feels, ew, it feels that if that's what God is about, ew. Let me move away from you. And we've all have met people like that. And, and we probably have been ourselves. And this whole, I want, I really feel like the Lord is inviting us that in this next season. He wants us to be image bearer. That is, we contain and we actually bring the heart of God with the truth of God, with the word of God, with the strategies of the kingdom, with his intentions of, of healing and mercy and grace. And, but we actually contain his heart. And so I, I feel like this morning, this is really an invitation of the Lord to say, like, if anything devoid of your presence is, is meaningless, then what is it? Just another philosophy. Might be a good one too. But Jesus is not a teacher of ethics. That's not who he is. He is the incarnate presence of the Father, the perfect representation of the mercy and the grace of God. That's the invitation for, for the ministry this morning that we want to be actual containers, not imitators, repeating the right thing, the right theology with the right strategy and with the right brain neuroscience behind it. Because now it will really validate it. But we have brought no love. 
bottom line is make love your aim, and you can't fail. So, Father, right now, I, I pr put your hand on your heart. This is what we are receiving this morning, and even on your wife's heart, Tim. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, we receive today, Father, this impartation, this call to actually reflect your flavor, to have the flavor of Jesus, the absolute perfect impersonation of the Father. And that, Father, we, we receive right now, Lord, not just the words and truth and <laughs> the sterile data, which is correct, devoid of your presence. We do not want that. We want to be a people that is distinguished because your presence comes with us. So we say, yes, Lord, but don't send us unless you're coming with us. And we are the carriers. We are the containers of the Holy Spirit. So we say, yes, we want that. We want truth. We want liberation. We want strategies. We want all of that. This is awesome. But we want you. We want you. So that people, after they've been with us, they can say, uh, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You have touched the love of the Father for you. And I pray for each heart right now. Especially if you have been wounded by truth without the essence of the heart of God accompanying it. Making it this religious, distasteful judgment de devoid of the presence and the love of the Father. I pray that you receive right now an impartation. That this season is not about just the correct data in the right order. It's about being the, a people that God has called, and he's coming with us. We are a distinguished people, a people of a different heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and your heart is bigger than you know. So we receive that right now for each member, even the people who are not here. For Kansas City, Father, we receive that, that we would be a people that contain the atmosphere of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Lord, the fruit of the Spirit would be the atmosphere between us. We receive that. We receive that you've called us to be a people who bring joy wherever they go, not whenever they go. That we are people who bring affection and love. The, we are conveyors of the atmosphere of heaven. We receive that as Rock Laramie, as Rock Tribe. We thank you, Jesus, for the invitation. We thank you for the revelation. But that's not what got us here. Hunger for glory and face-to-face -face encounter. I pray each heart, each family, one lamb per household. Every household is represented here. That there is a passion to be actually carriers of the atmosphere of the love of the Father wherever you go. And I pray for that anointing to hit your heart right now. That it becomes the reality. God is kind. He, de he describes himself as kind. The Lord, the Lord, a merciful God. Rich in loving kindness. He is kind. He is not sterile 
with truth and condemnation and facts and reality outside of, I will be with you. That's his promise for us this morning. We receive that. What defines us is it's impossible, but I will be with you. Who are we to do this, God? This is his answer. I will be with you. So your presence, Lord, we receive right now. Holy Spirit, breathe right now. I pray that you would breathe the fog off. Any unbelief, any, any impossibility that it is you breathing through us. That we actually will be infecting Laramie. These happy people, these loving people, these generous people, mm, you resource us. So we declare that you are El Shaddai over us. In Jesus' name, I, I release the anointing of the Lord for a passion to be carrier of the eyes, the affection, the atmosphere of heaven wherever you go, whoever you touch. And I, I break any streak of unkind truthing of people. It is illegal to bring the word of God without his intentions, without his heart. Amen. In Jesus' name. So before we go to dinner, if you have a desire to encounter Jesus personally, if you've never had a breakthrough moment where you've received Jesus into your heart and you, you feel that explosion of his life, we welcome you to come up here. And while people are going to have, uh, you know, our fellowship meal, if you also have an issue of physical uh, need for physical healing, come on up. We'll grab some of the MKF leaders and we'll pray for you because we want you to be healed in Jesus' name. So if you'd like to just encounter the Lord or you've kind of just stepped away from him and you really want a breakthrough, come on up. We'll pray for you. We do this all the time. If you want to get healed, come on up and God will move up here. All right. We're going to go now to have our meal. By the way, thank you, Mono. That was profound what you just did because we want to be the gospel. We want to encounter the essence of Jesus. So what Mono just did as a follow-up was right on the money. Thank you too, Josh, for an amazing description of prayer. We love you all. We'll see you corporately in January 7th here, 930. All right. Love you guys.